1: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Aren't you glad you mentioned the Mayo Bowl? <laughs> the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Anyone Kevin? has any idea what we're talking about? <laughs> so, earlier this morning we were talking about bowl games. Kevin had mentioned that he thought it'd be kind of fun if you liked mayonnaise to go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I had mentioned that I think mayonnaise is the most disgusting condiment on the planet. And... Um, I was texted then a video from a TLC show of a guy that puts mayonnaise in his hair, which is the most disgusting video ever, <laughs> but uh, Mark now
2: has become a Mayo enthusiast and is playing socks about mayonnaise. Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins, Mayonnaise. That's a great song. Okay. Kind of a somber intro there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Smashing when you're Pumpkins, putting mayonnaise in
1: your hair, it should be somber. Smashing Pumpkins, the most overrated band of the Ooh, 90s. Oh, man. That's harsh. I'm just saying, the most overrated band of the
2: 90s. I don't know if I can agree with you on that.
1: Kevin, you were saying the line it just keeps shrinking and
2: shrinking. Yeah, uh, Mark was saying three and a half? For the Colts and Vikings, I, uh, right? I just checked at the break. Yeah, three and a half.
3: Yeah, I'm still seeing four here, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why it would be dropping like that. Uh, but again, it's a huge weekend for the Colts when you look at, really, the draft order, I think, first and foremost. Um mentioned a little bit earlier, but you have seven teams sitting at five and eight. So if you look at the Colts right now in seventh in the draft order, teams eight through 14 are all five and eight. So if the Colts go and win on Saturday and for some reason all those teams lose, the Colts would start next week with the 14th overall pick. That is... Not to be like too dramatic, but that's kind of catastrophic almost to your draft position. Um, that would change things big time and what you'd have to trade up and what that could look like. So, um, Again, it's a harsh reality of where you're at right now, but if you care about the future, um, particularly at the quarterback position, you don't want this team to win games down the stretch.
1: But it's here's the thing about the quarterback spot. Is, is there really a difference between drafting seventh and drafting
3: 20th oh i would say huge massive particularly in trade value but but i'm talking about for a quarterback yeah i mean if you want to trade up i mean you you are mortgaging massive chunks of the future to move up from 20 to 5 than you would from 7 to 5
1: and i get that that's fair and i guess if you're if you're talking about the possibility of trading yes but I'm just saying in general. I mean, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I don't see anything to be gained by winning two more and finishing out, you know, at 6-10-1, uh, uh,
3: okay? Minnesota is a team that has really struggled, and we'll talk a little bit more with Matt Taylor about this coming up, uh, but really struggled defensively. Uh, they are the worst passing defense in the NFL. Um, it's just kind of odd to say this about a 10-3 and three football team. Worst passing defense in the NFL. Their run game has been the worst in the NFL over the last month and a half. Dalvin Cook has done really nothing over the past month and a half, um, and they are the first team ever to be ten and three and have a negative point differential. Yeah, because they've won a bunch of games, in nine 0 and zero in one like. possession games. But I think it's a I think it's a tremendous skill group. I mean, Justin Jefferson. Again, arguably the best player in the NFL. T.J. Hawkinson's a great tight end. You know, when their offensive line, who that group is getting a couple guys back for Saturday. Um, yeah. when Do
1: you the, like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback?
3: No. I mean, on. I don't know. I he's guess fine, but not, not to game, but. lead my team anywhere in January. Uh,
1: I think of Kirk, he's like a Honda Accord, right? Like I'm perfectly sufficient. He's... I like Civics, too. Civics are nice, but he's a little bit nicer than a Civic, right? He's not an Acura legend, but he's he's like perfectly sufficient, right? A nice sedan, a little bit of roomy. He's okay.
3: But is he getting you deep in January?
1: I mean, I don't know that he he's winning you games, but he's not losing you games, is he? If that makes sense. Like, I don't see Kirk Cousins as the quarterback that... The, no, watch. I'm going to be proven wrong on Sunday. But are, are the Colts going to win Sunday because Kirk Cousins throws two timely picks?
3: You know, from a passing off at standpoint, they had a huge game last week. They were over four. Cousins threw for over 400. Justin Jefferson had a franchise record last week, 223 through the air. Um, yeah, I, I'm just again. I'm surprised that it's three and a half. I do think if there's an area the Colts can have a big advantage, it is stopping that Minnesota run. You know, we brought it up a little bit with Ross Tucker yesterday, who is uh calling the game for Westwood one. You know, the Colts defensive tackle group in particular, Grover Stewart DeForest Buckner, uh, they should be kind of licking their chops with how poor Minnesota's run defense has been or run offense has been here in recent weeks. But I just think with a banged up cornerback group, they move Jefferson all around, unless you put Gilmore on him. I just see Jefferson having a huge day. You know what I just I just thought of right now, Kevin, and this is the
1: kind of you know I don't know if you ever thank yourself for the fact that you've got access to this kind of neuroticism sitting right next to you. But um, if you look at the Colts defense, can you name for me, please, the let's say the six, the six best players on the Colts defense right now, at least on their line. Let's go with their line. You got DeForest Buckner, right? Do they have a sixth best on their defensive line? Good point, Grover Stewart. You got Quitty Pay. Okay. Um, nice. If you, if you go with the linebacker core, you got Zaire Franklin. We well, got throw Ngakwe. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and by the way, you need in right? Now, so here's the thing: is this is this the largest collection deep that you can go of? People on a unit where every single one of them has a first name that they're the only person you've ever heard of with that first name. You ever think about that? Do you know of another
3: DeForest? Wasn't Grover a president?
1: Ooh, good point. And Grover the Grover, obviously the the monster as well. Grover Cleveland, yes. Uh, Grover and Grover Cleveland Alexander. So there are a couple of Grovers. Good point. But Quiddy, Zaire unique that's a that's a there's got to be a nickname for this right like you had the killer bees with the dolphins you had the no-name defense at one time like i mean this has got to be like you br- you bring in back you know his name is unique literally and figuratively i think he's been okay don't you i mean probably here's the thing about unique and there were expectations about him coming in, probably of more than what he realistically was. But if you've got players around him, depending on what you're paying him, I think he's been <laughs> God Almighty. We can't get away from this thing. <laughs> Mark is pointing to the screen where they're showing videos of the Duke's Shane mayo. Beamer.
3: Shane Beamer, right there, getting doused
1: in uh, mayo? and That is just horrific. Just horrific. Um,
2: but I think I he's been okay. Smell like an egg salad sandwich. It really, really works.
3: You know, a guy on pace for double-digit sacks, Jake. Is it kind of a slap in the face just to call that okay? I mean, the Colts would dream, have dreamed for double-digit sacks off the edge in recent years. Yeah, I
1: just, I think that when he came here, it was like, holy cow, what? A, and I mean, you know, because yeah, the Colts I, haven't
3: had right what he gives you. Again, the, the sacks haven't been the most impactful. But I think when you look at the list of free agents this season, the fact that he has been available and again has produced to that level. Um, that free agent candidacy, and of course, is Gus Bradley going to be here and all of those things, uh, that's going to play a huge part in it. But the fact that Ngakwe suits up every week and is going to end the year with double-digit sacks, Kevin Corey, think? I think everybody would have signed up for that at the start of the year.
1: He probably is. You're right. I mean, he's their leading man. The fact, though, Say that again? the fact that they have two players on their roster, okay. two,
3: with more than five sacks,
1: only two. I, that seems low, doesn't it?
3: And yeah, again, just the consistent rush, particularly late in games, has not been there at all for them. Um, facing Minnesota, they will see a couple of pretty good edge rushers in Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. Uh, but Braden Smith will be back in the lineup. Of course, you did not have Braden Smith for that Dallas game. He will be back in the lineup, so that'll be an important one to have. Uh, you care at all about the World Cup on Sunday? I will watch it.
1: I mean, I'll flip through to see what's going on. Do I care? And, yeah, I You know, I, I don't necessarily want to open this door because people, it, there's just no win here because it's a very polarizing subject. But, but Kevin, I can't lie to you about the fact that the, the fact that the World Cup was in a nation that has so much scandal around it for so many different levels kind of soured me to it as the games went on and i know that people can come after me all they want for that i i apologize for it it's just kind of the reality i enjoy i I do enjoy it i enjoy any competition where that's going on and there's sports on all the time it's cool i I know what but you know even in knowing that like a lot of the fans in the stands are not actually fans but they're like getting paid by the government there to to wear the outfits and dress like the fan it just a lot of it feels very posed for me
3: so you found yourself turning away because of that not turning
1: away just not not tuning in you know what i mean i mean not not like in protest i just it just kind of was like eh, okay it, you know it kind of felt like this is a really bad comparison i it felt like when the NCAA tournament, and it was fabulous the way the the job that the NCAA did, and the television and the venues here in Indianapolis. I mean, it really, they really did a heck of a job, but it still just felt different watching the NCAA tournament games in all of the different venues here. It just wasn't the same as the tournament. It wasn't the same as watching. Oh, you know, let's go to Greensboro. Let's go to such and such. Look at the packed stands and the you know the bands and everything else. It was just different. And I just feel like for this tournament, it was a little bit different.
3: Yeah, Fitch, this is something we talked about earlier. The thoughts on D'Amico Ryan as a Colts next head coach. He would be on my very short list. He'd probably be a top, that short list. I know it doesn't necessarily check the offensive side of the ball, but what he's done with that defense, the young kind of CEO, leader type, um, he would be a name that I'd be looking heavily heavily into uh this from my
1: friend laurie who's a school teacher about 20 years ago at my school we had a lice epidemic all of the staff members would go home and put mayonnaise in our hair because apparently that kills lice if you have any smells absolutely disgusting but my hair was super soft no i can imagine what her hair
2: smelled like you just got to
3: shave it off at that point i smell like an egg salad sandwich but it really really works you can't do that you just can't
2: uh Okay. uh tony you want to talk to Forrest buckner mark something like that yeah his phone was kind of cutting out so i couldn't get it all so tony go ahead what's up tony
4: hey guys jake don't apologize for your feelings man It's why some of us hate on the live golfers it's kind of dirty money man <laughs> but uh no guys i'm in between your ages are neither of you trekkies for an easy deforest
1: <laughs> no no are we are either of us say that again star trek fans man deforest kelly bones now, funniest guy in the show. Now hang in, hang on here. Have you been to Riverside, Iowa? I have not. You need to. Go, are you a Star Trek fan? Heck yeah. Okay, well, I'm not old a school, not anything new anymore. Sounds a, like a diehard. I am not in any way, shape, or form a Star Trek fan. I don't have anything against it. It just did in my wheelhouse. But Riverside, Iowa, small town, nothing going for it. Late 80s, the mayor says, you know what? Captain Kirk and Star Trek claims in the future that he was born in the state of Iowa, so they wrote to Warner Brothers or whoever and declared Riverside, Iowa, the future birthplace of Captain Kirk, and the entire town is decked wow. out in Star
3: Trek stuff. Literally. Exactly. They have a Star knew Trek question. I from Iowa, Robert. You guys have a good weekend. Go Colts. All right. Thanks, Tony. Tony used to go there. He sounds like a diehard. I'm telling you, the whole town.
1: Yeah. Starship Enterprise everywhere. William Shatner goes there for a festival every summer. It's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, th- this week I think kind of sums up the Ngakwe season. I've watched Yannick for the past few years. He puts up stats, but after watching them weekly, they just don't seem to be the most impactful sacks at key times in the game. I guess we got spoiled a bit with Mathis and Freeney. I just think the consistent rushes. Like, to me, it's not necessarily, okay, if you end the game with one sack, I would probably rather take four quarterback pressures than one sack during a game. Because if those four quarterback pressures lead to, you know, three incompletions, or potentially that pressure leads to a turnover of an errant pass or something like that, uh, that's where I feel like the Ngakwe part is missing a bit. But again, having said that, he still suits up every week, and he's going to get you double-digit sacks. And I think about all the swings and misses Chris Ballard's had with edge rushers in his draft history. You would have dreamed for that from—and again, injuries have played what's into the, some of these guys, but Taekwon Lewis and Kamoko Ture and Ben Banigou and Terrell Basham, I mean, those guys never sniffed. How, how about Dio? I mean, like, what's the— Dio's still a little young. shelf life on Dio? I mean, I think he's still young. I mean, it, it's year two. He came off a of torn Achilles, so I think it's still early to group him into the others. But Basham, Banigou, Lewis, Ture, I mean, they all have played out their rookie contracts. I think it's fine to
2: go there with them.
1: Mark, is soft hair important enough to you that you'd be willing
2: to smell like an egg salad sandwich? No. <laughs> My hair's getting a little thin, so if I did hair restoration or something, I'd be all for oh, it. Oh, the PAI folk. Oh, yeah. Call John. Yeah. you seen JMV and Rick Demoling speak highly of it. I know. I need to get on that. They're they? great people. If they said, hey, mayo works i'm going to costco and do. mark no you can't what? do that you can't we can do a show bit for it <laughs> you imagine your daughters my imagine my daughters what with mayo in their hair watching their father put mayo in, in his hair trust me they're my kids <laughs> they're gonna see me do a lot worse
1: oh you know um you know that comedian that jeff dunham
2: oh yeah the the ventriloquist overrated, yeah what's that what you said smashing pumpkins was overrated
1: uh that jeff dunham i had a friend that was on the jay leno show and he was on the same night as jeff dunham Mm -hmm. and he said they were backstage in the green room and jeff dunham he didn't recognize jeff dunham and then like an hour before jeff dunham went on some guy came out with a can of like spray paint and spray painted his hair on and the whole thing is 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 fake did
2: carlos boozer do that yeah, Carlos Boozer looked like he had shoe polish at one point. It looked it like it was kind of just sharpie. Yeah. Very uh, direct line, very nice lines, <laughs> <Yeah>. though. <laughs>
3: on that. The like, Carlos Boozer hair was astounding. good right angles with a lot of Is those. Is there lines.
1: any player, by the way, who had a faster ascent and then faster decline than Carlos Boozer? Remember like one year he was he was a max contract guy, and then boom, it was over. It was like, what happened? And I there was talk. Carlos Boozer was in that he cashed in in that free agency class with LeBron and everybody yep. else.
2: He was the like the consolation prize. Correct. And he made a boatload of money, and then that was it. That's did. what Dansby Swanson's about to be with baseball. He's like the fourth best shortstop, and he's going to get like $200 million. Did want to
3: mention this. Uh, I guess we've had on the show before. Brian Newbert from Golden Black announced yesterday that um, he has another brain tumor and is going to go on a... Um, Take a leave of absence. I believe this is second or third time he's had to have surgery on this. So I know Brian announced that yesterday. So thinking about um, Brian, his family, and um, certainly the doctors, and that hopefully everything will be as smooth of a process as it can be.
1: Really nice guy for him, and a solid professional, which are two great things to have said about you. And but take a complete back shelf, of course, to wanting him simply to be healthy. So we, we absolutely hope the best for Brian, who does a great
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Great job. Got a load of guests lined up here in the next hour. Again, Thad Modica to join us at 9 o'clock. Big, big, big East opener for the Bulldogs coming up on Saturday night hosting Undefeated. UConn, but we'll begin like we do every Friday at 8 a.m. He is Greg Rakestraw from ISC Sports Network, and of course, he'll be in these studios, or in the studio tomorrow, uh, for the Colts post-game show, 1 o'clock kick, Colts and Vikings. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Rake Sunday morning, we've got Argentina, France. I would think from a TV rating standpoint, this has got to be pretty close to kind of a dream matchup there with storylines for each country and the star players as
2: well.
0: And I would say pretty close to, you know, having the favorites there as you're going to possibly have, you know, a lot of folks maybe thought it was going to be France and Brazil. So Argentina be the next best thing. And obviously you got the story of, you know, can Lionel Messi and what's his final world cup? He hasn't announced it, but again, Father time catches up with everybody. It's going to be his last go around. Um, you know, can, can, it's the only thing missing in his career. You know, can he deliver a World Cup championship back to Argentina for the first time since 1986, or can France be the first team to go back-to-back in some 60 years in the World Cup? So, it is not a World Cup final that is bereft of storylines, to put it that way.
1: Greg, in terms of Messi, listen, I think all of us know of his name, certainly, and those of us that are not regular soccer enthusiasts and viewers, I mean, I know absolutely uh, of Messi, but... Uh, you know, safe to say that that he is in the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana discussion of all time. So, I, I mean, he's what top five all time?
0: Yes, and and, and I, again, is he ever going to be as as legendary as as, as Pelé? Probably not. Uh, he would be right behind that in the Diego Maradona, uh, Johan Cruyff, you know, you know, player, players like that. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the Brady Manning because that is the most obvious comparison with he and Cristiano Ronaldo. It is the most direct corollary of saying those two guys, clearly the best players of their generation and have been for the last 15 to 20 years. Um, again, because of the clubs he has played for and the numbers that he has put up, there is no doubting his greatness as one of the best to ever play. And the era is so different in now that so much of the Talent is concentrated from a you know professional standpoint in Europe, and obviously Messi has played at the highest level there too. So again, this this is this is just checking off the last box if they win, having won a World Cup for Argentina.
3: Again, ten AM on Sunday. That'll be Argentina and France for the World Cup. Greg Rakestraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, at this time of year when the Colts are four eight and one, a lot of the topics are big picture. Um, So I'll throw one at you. Um, Come September 2023, do you think it's, I guess, kind of rank and order the most likely to be in their current roles? Chris Ballard, Jeff Saturday, Matt Ryan.
0: It may not be any of the three, uh, you know, to to be blunt about it. Um, I think a lot of that is still up for debate and up for discussion. Could Jeff be the head coach? Perhaps. Does Jeff want to be the head coach full-time? He talked about that last, you know, this week, that, that yeah, he, he's kind of gotten this bug. I still don't know if maybe that's exactly where Jim Irsay sees him in the organization. I don't know what Chris Ballard's status is at this point. I think we've seen enough for Matt Ryan where you can say, hey, you're, you're probably going a different direction and a younger direction at quarterback next year. So uh, if you had to ask me, you know what's the most likely permutation? I'd probably say all those spots could be new by the time we get to next year. Greg,
1: it feels to me like the Colts are just right now on the cusp of just starting all over. But at yep. the same time, I wonder if they if they aren't just a few tweaks away from being right in the thick of
0: it. Which way do you see it? That's that you you can be in that overlap of both things. Just because, again, I I think they've got to go a different direction at quarterback. They clearly have to get some reinforcements along the offensive line. Playmaker at wide receiver would be nice, but defensively, you're going to see most of the pieces back intact next year. You've got a player like Jonathan Taylor. I like what Michael Pittman Jr. is, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint. So you can, frankly, be both. And it's not like now, when you go young at quarterback, that you can't win and win immediately. So, I think both those statements that you made can be true. This is the closest the Colts have been to a rebuild since the 2012 season. In that season, the Colts won 11 games and were a playoff team. And so... Again, I think both those statements can be factual about this football team. Again,
2: okay, Greg
3: Rankshaw is with us here, ISC Sports Network. and Rick, this is a college football issue, but because they're in our backyard and the announcement was yesterday, um, there's some relevance here with Purdue and their bull opt-outs. Again, no Aiden O'Connell, no Charlie Jones, no Payne Durham. I believe Corey Trice, uh, one of their cornerbacks, opted out as well. If you were to look at like early draft projections, I mean, maybe O'Connell cracks the day too, but I don't think we're expecting any, any of these guys to be top 40, top 50 picks. Is there anything college football can do to try and get these guys to play in bowl games because it's turning into just kind of glorified spring game and not the, hey, we're playing the SEC team in a January Florida bowl game. I really want to be out there. Uh, that's not happening.
0: Put it in their NIL contracts that would be the way to fix that Greg I think that's I
1: mean and I realize you're saying that people are going to think you're saying that facetiously you're being serious and I think that's where it's headed right but don't you get finicky
3: there with like health situations with some of these guys and obviously Aiden O'Connell's had a lot of stuff off the field so I don't necessarily want to slot him in there but you know can't you see these guys being like well I've played through some injuries my agent says I shouldn't play
0: yep I put it in the NIL contract it it, 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 I mean it's, it's as simple as that um, now that these guys are leaning a lot more toward empl- employees officially, uh, that's exactly how I have to do it. And that seems cold and that seems callous, um, but but that's the one remedy you have left. Listen, I, I understand where these guys are coming from. I get it. I'm not sure I like it. I don't have a great logical ground to argue that they're not doing the right thing. To me, and, and I understand the difference in – you're playing in the college football playoff, and you're not. If you're not, it is an exhibition. There is something to be said, though. You know, you're know, you not playing in the Weed Eater Bowl. You're playing in a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, and, and so, again I, again, I understand it. I just don't like it. Uh, and, and you cited the draft stock of those guys. I would probably put Payne Durham a little higher in terms of everybody else in that group. These are guys that I think are going to get a look for the NFL team. I'm not exactly sure what the likelihood of them being on, say, an active you know, opening day roster is going to be next year. So part of that's like, you know, really? Um, but, again, don't like it. Not sure it can be fixed. But if there is a way to fix it, now that paying players is above board, put it in the contract where, hey, you have to play in a bowl game or be – medically excused from playing in a bowl game to receive a certain percentage of that money.
1: Greg, I think the thing that makes, and, and I want to make this clear for people, at least from my standpoint, you guys feel free to chime in if you agree or disagree, but I, I think there are people out there who hear, if there's hesitation about NIL, the name, image, likeness payment for players, that that means that that we, or in this case me, whoever it might be, have some sort of opposition people getting what they're entitled to it's not that it's the fact that i'm all for it it's the fact that a it's just really hard to monitor what a player's value is when they have yet to play in a college game so if there's such a chasm between the high school game and the college game you don't know whether you're signing christian lander or whether you're signing christian leitner you just don't know what the value is going to be towards what they're bringing to your program and so as a result of that, determining the value ahead of time is hard to do. And then also, even though it's the way the real world works, I realize that, you know, how do you have one kid that's making $500,000 on a team with a starter that's getting two free pizzas a week? You know, it's, it's just the wild, wild west. And I think that, the, that having a hesitation towards grasping it and understanding it doesn't mean we're opposed to it. Now, that's where I'm coming from, Greg. Is that a fair statement on your, your thought process?
0: Correct. And again, I, I, I agree that those guys should be getting something. I also I am for a system that rewards those players without crippling everybody else's opportunity. Right. That's fair. Uh, because that has been because I, I know that what the revenues generated by those football programs, by those basketball programs, and by the tournaments, from a men's basketball standpoint, that funding mechanism is what funds every other championship at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three level. That was always my concern with, you know, funding players or, or or paying players was that it would do something to to disrupt everything else because the men's basketball tournament carries the freight for so much of what the NCAA does. If name, image, and likeness provides a way to get more cash in, in players' pockets legally and still allows the rest of the system to function, then that is something that I am for. In terms of the differences in what player A versus player B is going to get, welcome to you know the free market economy. That everybody is an entrepreneur and their own business at this point. It's just the way the system is set up. And again, I'm not sure there is a, I'm not sure it's great. It's certainly not perfect. If you've got a better way to do it, I'm all ears. Let me know.
3: Rick, I know you've been a busy man these past couple weekends on the high school basketball front. Um, This is maybe a bit of a selfish question, considering where he's going to college next year. But could we be looking at a potential Mr. Basketball from the city of South Bend
0: this season? We could be. Uh, In terms of Marcus Burton, you know, I I went into the season thinking Xavier Booker was the clear favorite, uh, and and still, because of his national recruiting level and the fact that he's playing at Michigan State. you know, it, it, it's still potentially his to lose, but on these two showcase events the last two Saturdays, he's not been great. He's been largely quiet offensively. At the same time, when Burton has a statewide stage with the Forum Tip Off Classic, his team gets down 21 to 1. He leads them back. He scores 37 of their 57 uh, in a win against a good Zionsville team. Down 21 to 1? 21 to 1. Al Rhodes called three timeouts in the first five and a half minutes and Penn still won the game. Um, Penn will play in the Hall of Fame Classic. We'll have that on ISC coming up uh, on December 30th, so two weeks from today, and then it will be what he can do in the month of March. So, again, I thought Xavier Booker was the favorite going in. He is still one of the favorites. I think he's left the door open, and what Burton can do offensively, he's in the conversation. I think Miles Colvin, to a lesser degree, is in the conversation again, because he's going to go to Purdue because he's an outstanding talent playing at Heritage Christian, hurts those chances a little bit. Uh, And if Ben Davis keeps doing what they're doing, probably Zane Dowdy needs to be in the conversation just because he's going to probably end up averaging about 15 to 18 points a game, 12 to 13 rebounds a game. And if he does that on the number one team in the state, then he merits you know, being in the conversation too.
3: Rick, I did want to mention this um, for those that might have missed it. Just an unbelievable anecdote. I was hoping to chat with you about this over at the Colts Complex the other day. Uh, but you had earlier in the week that Mike Leach actually interviewed for the University of Indianapolis head coach position in 94, 95, something like that?
0: That is correct. So the job has only opened up three times since like 1970. So the, the coaching lineage at UND, Bill Bless's first year was 1969. Joe Polizzi got the job in 1994. Bob Bartolomeo took over 2010-2011, one of those two. Chris Kievers then has had the job uh, for each of the last three seasons. So when the job opened up in the spring of 94, I was not yet on campus. I was a senior in high school. I got to town in August of 94. Apparently Mike Leach, who at the time was working for Hal Mummy at Valdosta State at the Division II level, interviewed for the job. I had no idea about this until about two or three years ago when a friend of mine who was a couple of years ahead of me shared that information with me. So a handful of players met with Mike, you know, as they were doing on-campus interviews and visits and things like that. Mike didn't get the job. Now let me say this, the person that got the job is a dear friend of mine and Joe Pulizzi and did a very good job at UND. got them to eight wins by year number four in competing for a conference championship after UND before Joe had gotten there and had a streak of one or two win seasons and went on a five-year stretch they didn't win a road game from 1990 to 1995. So the job that Joe did was really good for 15 plus years it is a it is a might have been that mike leach could have part of his story could have been coaching here in the city of indianapolis as i'm not sure if he was a finalist for the job but he at least had an on-campus interview for the job as part of the process in the spring of 1994 you almost wonder
1: greg if that was his first venture into trying to get a head coaching position
0: Right, Could have been, because I, I, I can rattle off some of the different places that he has been. Oh, yeah. like and, okay, I mean, he's been some big places.
3: Because they went to right. Kentucky, right? Mummy, like that, that mummy, staff.
0: Mummy went, 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 went from Valdosta State to Kentucky, right. and Mike went with him to Kentucky. I believe that is the uh, flow chart in the late 90s.
2: Gosh, crazy.
3: Crazy what could have been. Jake, got anything else for him? Greg, here's a... I've always... Around
1: that time, you tell me when did when did Indiana Central become UIndy? Eighty
0: five, eighty six, in, okay, in that so window.
1: Okay, a little earlier than that.
3: Okay,
0: is UIndy ever yeah. going to go D one, Rake? Uh, as of now, no. Uh, that was tabled. Um, they have you know an interim president because Rob Manuel, the previous president, I was a big fan of, left to take the DePaul job. They are currently on an interim AD. Probably not the time to go the Division One route when you have no current president and and an interim athletic director. So they have tabled that discussion for now. My best guess would be is that once that president and AD are both in place in the summer, then those discussions start up again, or it's a big part of the interview process. So as of now, they're staying division two. I don't think that's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination.
1: And, and the thought process being that if they had gone Division One in basketball, men's basketball, they would go into the Ohio Valley. Um, Stan Girard, though, speaking of the Ohio Valley at Southern Indiana, I know there's, you know, there might be some folks around here who have kids or themselves went to USI, but Stan, the longtime UND coach, I think he's
0: doing a pretty good job down there, Rake. Doing a fantastic job, and again, they have the facility, um, they have the pedigree they will go to that league and be successful immediately now. They have to go through a four-year transition cycle where they're not playing in the NCAA tournament. But if you've never seen their on-campus arena, it's gorgeous that seats 5,000. Stan can really coach. um, And they are located in the absolute heart of the Ohio Valley Conference. They probably have less of a travel budget being in the Ohio Valley than they did being in the Great Lakes Valley Conference. So... I'm not surprised that they are going to Division One and having immediate success. Dan will do great things down there at, U- at USI.
3: It is the unusual Saturday kick for the Colts, which means Greg Rakestraw will be spending his afternoon fielding some Colts calls on the post-game show coming up again, 1 o'clock, Colts and Vikings tomorrow afternoon. Ray, thank you, my man. See you guys. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us right now. It's kind of a different Friday. For Maytay than usual, the Colts aboard a plane a little bit later today for Minneapolis, and it's a one o'clock kick tomorrow. Uh, Matt, I don't know. Maybe this is kind of the state of the season at four eight and one, but I think some fans would maybe find interest in this. What is like the Matt Taylor schedule look like from when you land in Minneapolis to the one o'clock kick? <laughs>
4: um, I don't know how many people are going to be involved in this or interested in this, but. Um you know, I, I'm I pretty lay low on the road. Um, the road actually gives me more time to just sort of be alone and and go over more notes and, and more game prep because you have a quiet hotel room rather than a household full of chaotic kids with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So I, I fully take advantage of that where I you know, pour over the notes again um, the night before and get a good night's rest and then Get to the stadium. We'll probably get to the stadium tomorrow. It's a it's a noon kickoff with it being in the central time zone. So we'll probably get to the stadium about eight thirty or nine, and then um then it's just again going over notes again and reading and, and organizing last minute minute things. And I tell you what, what, what what's really an underrated thing for me to do is you know I'll, I'll watch film and I'll watch you know game tape of whoever we're playing. And I'm obviously watching to see, you know, like what they're running and, and, you know, get a good idea of I'm not really tracking like tendencies or formations and things like that. But from a play by play standpoint, I'm just looking to see what guys look like in their uniform. You know, I want to see, you know, how they stand out. Does a guy have long hair? Does he have you know, does he wear a a weird style cleat? You know, just things that help me identify players in the game and they catch the ball or make a tackle. And then one of the things I'll do before the game is I watch warmups pretty intently for the same reasons. I just want to see what guys look like, how they move, you know, how how they're being used or where they're lining up, things like that just any any advantage I can get to identify players quicker and faster for the overall good of the broadcast.
3: So what you're saying is you're not closing down Mall of America tonight? I will not. I will not be at the Mall of America. May, I mean, I might stop over there for a
4: bite to eat because the last time we played there, Kevin, I think you were on that trip. Oh with my I mean, gosh, it
3: was, like, it was it was like frightening cold
4: degrees. Yeah, I mean, thank God the mall was connected to the hotel because I didn't want to go outside because it physically hurt to be outside because of how cold it was.
3: And I really like that stadium. I, I think it's one of the more underrated atmospheres in the league.
4: I agree. We were there last year. I think I told the story to John earlier this week. We were there last year in the preseason, and I think it was their first home preseason game, and obviously it was the first you know chance they had to have fans uh, at the stadium post COVID. Um, it was a Saturday night game, so I think all of that combined made it for a really, really raucous crowd. It was loud in there. They, they turned the, the PA system up really loud. They've got that skull chant or the, the Viking horn that they play after big plays, and or third downs or whatever, but yeah, it's it's a really cool stadium, you know. Both from a you know technology standpoint, you know, from an innovation perspective, but also the the crowd there, you know, they're they're, they're a good fan base. They love their Vikings, and uh, you know they're trying to bring
1: home a division championship tomorrow. You know, Matt, if you look at the Vikings, so Minnesota comes in ten and three. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, our guest on the Payless Liggers Hotline, but two of their three losses have come here in their last four games. The thing about Minnesota. Matt, this team this year, this season's Minnesota Vikings, are more representative of perhaps any team we've seen of just how fickle the NFL can be depending on which way the ball bounces. And That's not to take anything away from them. But if you look at their 10 wins, man, they're not blowing people out. I mean, they just are are able to hang around and then make plays in the end when they have to. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does feel like if Indianapolis is going to get one, this might be an opportunity for them because, yes, Minnesota is good. I, I don't know that they're great. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think, I think another way to phrase it would
4: be: it, it's just a very winnable game, despite they, them having a, a very elite type record. I mean, if if the playoffs started today, you know, they would be the two seed in the NFC. Um, and I think all of those reasons make it a winnable game. You know, I talked with Jeff Saturday about that. You know, yesterday for our for our pregame show visit, you know, I, I brought up the same situation to him. It's like, how do you look at this team? Because it's hard to win in this league. I mean, you, you can't take ten wins away from this team because it's really difficult to win in the National Football League because of all the parity and you know, every team has great players. But at the end of the day, you know, you look at it and you say, are they good or are they? fortunate to, to be you know 10-3 because they do have those nine games or those nine wins by by one score. They're the first team in NFL history to win their first nine one-score games of a season. They have no losses on the year where a game's been decided by one score. Um, so, from that standpoint, they are to be commended and celebrated, but also, at the same time, you look at it and you say, these guys are incredibly beatable because offensively they've got a lot of firepower and they're making enough plays down the stretch or they're just kind of hanging on but if they do have an Achilles heel what it could potentially be is their defense their defense is just statistically not good I mean they're giving up a lot of yards they're giving up a lot of points and I think one of the things that stands out to you is that you know, when you have a good record but a bad defense, you're like, how can those two things exist in the same sentence, if you will? But it's their takeaways, their, their turnover ability. They have 20 takeaways as a defense. So that's kind of been their saving grace. It's kind of like the Colts last year where they weren't an elite defense, but their their calling card was their ability to take the football away and make game-changing plays in crunch time. And that's what this Vikings team this year has done. I mean, they've given up over 400 yards on the season on average. They're giving up 400 yards per game in the last five games. That's a dubious franchise record for them. Uh, They're last in the NFL in passing defense. They've allowed five straight quarterbacks to throw for over 300 yards against them. So you look at the defense and and you think, well, wow, they got Daniil Hunter and and you know Zadarius Smith and Eric Kendricks, who's a tackling machine, and you know Cameron Dantzler, who was a high draft pick a couple of years ago, and then in the back end with Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith, those two guys have combined for 14 Pro Bowls. How are they, you know, this bad on paper? Well, they don't really have a complicated defense. It's it's you know it's not overly complex. Um, they don't blitz a lot, um, so they do give up yards. They do give up points at times. But I think their saving grace has been their ability to take the football away and make those game-changing plays in crunch time. And hence, they've hung on to win a lot of one-score games. They have five wins this year by five points or less. So they are to be celebrated for that, but it does make them beatable. And I don't think they're an elite team when you kind of, you know, piece them out and and really examine how they've gotten here.
1: Matt, do you feel like the Colts' locker room has to avoid at this point getting guys on different pages in terms of the way they're looking at finishing the season, meaning you always have invariably and inevitably when a season has gone awry a little bit. Some guys that are looking to just finish out the year, other guys that want to finish strong because they're not sure what the contract status is, et cetera, et cetera. Is Is there a risk of that for the Colts? I don't think so because I think those two things go hand in hand. I mean,
4: guys want to play well for themselves because of, you know, like a guy like Bobby O'Karaque and Paris Campbell and Chase McLaughlin, um, you know, a lot of these free agents to be, you know, they have different inspirations to play well. I think they want to play well for their team, but they also know that if they just mail it in and don't show up and play 85%, if you will, uh, these last four games, they're not going to get the contract that they want from the Colts or 31 other teams. I think it was Zaire Franklin this week, who's not a free agent, but he, 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 summed it up pretty well. He said, you know, like next year in the off season, if a coach on another team is watching the Colts and they see a defensive lineman or a linebacker, just kind of loafing or not, you know, pursuing the football and they're not busting their ass every single play, there's going to be no context inside that film room. There's no, there's not going to be anybody saying, well, at this point we were eliminated from the playoffs or we only had four games to go, or we were four, eight and one. No, man. Like that doesn't exist. Like there's no context to say, you know, that that's acceptable. Um, and so I think what people also realize around the NFL is that if you gave up on your team because you were out of the playoff hunt, what's to say you're not going to give up on my team if I sign you to a free agent deal. So, I think guys want to play hard for themselves, but they also want to play hard for the team because I, I, can, I cannot stress enough, and you guys know this, Like, there's, there's nobody inside that locker room that gives a flying you-know-what about draft picks and moving up for quarterbacks. They just want to play through their contract. That's what they're here to do. And, you know, this is the National Football League. Nothing's guaranteed, man. Like, just because you're under contract for next year doesn't mean you're going to come back with this team or you're going to be re-signed by another team somewhere else around the NFL with 31 other opportunities. So guys just want to keep capitalizing on this chance to play a kid's game and continue to kind of live out their dreams of being professional football players no matter what. You know, the context is around them, you know, within the the narrative of the season.
3: Matt, last one for me. Um, You know, when you look on on paper, there's a couple of matchups that are are really intriguing tomorrow, and that potentially would be Justin Jefferson against Stephon Gilmore. But it sounds like the Vikings move Jefferson around a lot, the Colts have not really gone full shadow. With a guy like Gilmore. So I'm not maybe holding my breath that we're going to see that like every snap. Obviously, we'll see it at, um, at different points. The other one, and this is more just from like a draft history standpoint, would be Christian Darasau, their left tackle, who went one pick after Quiddy Pay. It was either going to be Darasau or Pay for the Colts. But it seems like Yannick and will be opposite Darasau at that left tackle spot. Um, nonetheless, I feel like those are a couple storylines that. You know if you do get the occasion where quiddy flips sides I don't think he does that very yeah. often um, and you do get a couple of Gilmore Jefferson reps um, that'll be fun to watch
4: yeah I agree and I don't think it will be exclusively you know Gilmore on Jefferson throughout the remainder of the game because of how creative they are with him moving him around in the formation and I talked with Jeff Saturday about that this week as well you know they they do a really good job they're cognizant of making sure that Jefferson can run every route of every play from every position or lining up in, in every part of the formation on every play because they want to get him on different people at different times of the game. And Jeff said, you know, go back going back and watching that Detroit game when he went for two twenty three, which was a franchise record in that loss. I mean Detroit did everything that they're supposed to do. They're they're doubling him, they're rolling coverage. They got their best players on him. And he still rolls up two twenty three and was a you know, big reason why they were in that game and, and, and fell uh, ultimately. But, um, you know, he's he's amazing to me. I mean, uh, I, I, mean I know that he is... He yeah, might be he the best in player in the NFL. Of, I mean, he really is. That, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, he's in, only in his third year, and he's already over 1,500 yards this year. He holds the NFL record for receiving yards by a player in their first three years in the league. I mean, that's incredible to me. He's got over 4,500 yards already, and he's not even... Through three years, I mean, he could break the NFL's all-time uh, receiving um, record for yards in a season this year. I mean, he's he's on pace to flirt with it. So he really is incredible. And so, yeah, you're going to see Gilmore on him. But I think with the way that the Vikings use him and they're you know again cognizant of, of where they're lining him up, that you can't afford to have one player. They're going to make sure one player is not going to be lined up on him all game long. And also, too, a storyline with, within that is you're probably not going to have Brandon facing tomorrow. He's doubtful. Kenny Moore is not going to play. So you're going to have some different pieces in the Colts secondary that's going to have to do a good job of limiting his damage. Um, and then with Quiddy Pay, yeah, that's an interesting storyline, too, because we forget Quiddy, he missed five games this year with that ankle. He's been in and out of the lineup, but he's already, he already has a career-high five sacks, and obviously – you know you you sort of do the the you wonder what that could be or what the potential there could be for him the remainder of the season if he's fully healthy or what his numbers would be like if he didn't miss those games but i think in a lot of ways this year with quarterback hurries and quarterback pressures he's really taken a nice step from year 1 to year number 2 and i think we fall into the trap and i'm guilty of it too of just looking at the sack numbers and saying well He didn't reach double-digit sacks, so therefore it's not a good year from a defensive end edge pressure guy. So um, I think he has had some impactful moments, but uh, he's really kind of looking to come on these last four games and finish out strong. Now that he's healthy, now that he's back in the lineup, he's already having a career year as far as sacks are concerned. Um, I would love to see him lined up on Christian Derisaw to kind of see where he is in terms of development with a guy, as you said, drafted in the first round, one pick after him. Um, to see how he's lining up against uh, some of these young defensive ends or, excuse me, uh, offensive tackles that he's going to see, you know, for the next hopefully seven or eight years in the NFL.
1: Matt Taylor will be on the call along with Joe Wrights, who will be filling in for Rick Venturi, who is uh, nursing back, uh, feeling a little bit better, obviously, but not going to make the trip to Minnesota. So Joe Wrights, Matt Taylor on the call, 1 o'clock tomorrow, again, not on Sunday, Colts and Vikings. Matt, enjoy the trip. Stay warm in Minnesota, All right. Uh, I appreciate you guys. we Will do.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
3: It's a big one tomorrow night inside of Hinkle Fieldhouse. The undefeated UConn Huskies come to town to open up the Big East slate for Butler. UConn 11-0 on the year. They have not had a single game in single digits yet. They've been extremely impressive early in the season. So quite the test for Thad Mata's bunch. Definitely is playing a little bit better basketball as of late and seems to be getting healthier as well. The head coach of the Bulldogs joins us now. Morning, Coach. Good morning, guys. How are you all? Doing well. Um, just your early thoughts on what you've seen from UConn. Again, they've been very impressive, double digits in all these wins. Uh, and certainly um, one of the surprises, I think, this season and how uh, good they've been.
6: Well, you know they—they they definitely are a, a really, really good basketball team. I mean, they've got—it uh, seems like just uh, all the pieces fit together for them in terms of they got size, they've got shooting, they've got uh, you know really, really good guard play, and um, you know—and they're they're very tough, physical defensively, and uh, you know heck, heck of a matchup for us tomorrow. There's there's no question about that. It's kind of like a, a you know early. I think the early seasons helped us. Um, and some of the teams that we've played and, and you know, like I said, hopefully we're, we're ready to uh, go out and compete for 40 minutes.
1: You know, it's interesting to me, Coach, that when you, you get into league play now, obviously with Connecticut and into the Big East, so you're now seeing teams that probably know your tendencies, know what you do, and vice versa more so. Does the approach in terms of game preparation change to set your team up and get ready for league play and the grind of it versus playing teams from all over the place in the pre-conference?
6: You know, it, it really doesn't. And, and I say that from the standpoint of, you know, we are who we are, and, and we've got to prepare our guys for what, we're, what we need to do well and, and how we need to do it. Um I think, you know, when, when you get into the second round and you're playing, you know, a UConn for the second time, you know, at that point, there, there really becomes not very many secrets. Um, but, you know, from, from the standpoint of, of our approach to the game, it's, it's very similar in terms of, of all the games we've had thus far. And, um, you know, to, to me, it's about getting our guys ready to play and execute the game plan of, of what we need to do to win the game.
1: You know, it's funny. I always think back, Coach, Thad Mott is our guest, by the way, on the Payless Lickers hotline. I think back to the movie Hoosiers when Gene Hackman, Norman Dale, is like talking to the fans, and he says, you know, I, the boys and I have gotten to get to know each other here, and we're still kind of feeling things out, and da, 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 And any time a guy is you know, you're back into a new situation. How long does it take to kind of get to know your guys? And by that, you know what I mean by that. I mean, know everything about yeah, no. what makes them work.
6: You know, it's funny because I, I've said this. I. It seems like each day we're still learning more and more about these guys. Um, you know, from how do they respond after a loss to how do they respond after a win. Um you know, uh how's a guy do after a bad game, after a good game. Um, you know, it just there's there's so many dynamics that people understand to uh to coaching. And you know, I think uh the, the longer you're in a program you've got sustainability, that sort of thing, and, and you know your guys, um, it it does make it a little bit easier. But I also say this that's kind of the fun part of getting to know these guys. I mean, when I say we've got a great group of guys, I mean uh I haven't had too many teams like this it's just uh they're, they're fun to be around they're, they they work hard they uh you know we go from the film room to the court they go out they execute and and uh and that's that's made you know our job as coaches a lot easier this year
1: you know for people that are listening coach that just in everyday life you know whether it's somebody who's listening that's an architect or a lawyer or a teacher whatever it might be You clearly are a leader. I mean, you're a coach. You've done it for a long time. Can you give me an example of the different ways to manage people and how to navigate through figuring out how different people respond to different circumstances? Aside from just having them go out and play a basketball game, give me an example of how you can read someone to then know how they best will respond to the way that you can teach them
6: uh you know it's, it's funny because all those people out there listening the the teachers the art all that I, I've always said this we all play the same game we just wear different uniforms um you know it's, it's motivating people but I, I think you know, an, an example would be uh, um, you know a kid he, he has a has a bad practice and you sit down and you talk to him afterwards and you say hey you know this is this is what you didn't do well here's what we need and and you know the the next day he comes in he's got fire in his eyes and and, and he's really trying to take to heart and at that point you say okay this kid's coachable this kid even wants to be a basketball player um you know i, I think another example is, and and i saw this in the cal game saturday um you know one of our guys came off the bench and made a, a heck of a play and you know, there were three guys that had been playing literally 40 minutes a game, and they fired off the bench and, and, and were cheering for that guy. And, you know, it, when, when you see that during the game, when you see it on the tape on a flight home, you're saying, like, you know what, those guys are good teammates, man. I, I can win with these guys. And, and, and those would be a couple of examples, I think, of just, uh, you know, sort of watching watching everything come to fruition.
3: Tomorrow night, again, it'll be Thad Mata's Bulldogs hosting the undefeated UConn Huskies over at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Coach, you've had a pretty short rotation here early in the season. And I assume health has played a part in that. Um, I guess, has it played a part in that? And are you guys getting a little bit healthier here as conference season unfolds?
6: Yeah, it, uh, uh, health definitely played a, a factor in our, our short rotation. Um, you know, I, 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 we are getting healthier. We, we actually, believe this or not, um, we've we've practiced the last two days. We haven't been able to practice for a month um, because of of numbers and and the thing is, we can't get anybody hurt. You know, we want to we want to win the war, not the battle. And, um, and 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 the guys have been tremendous. But uh, you know, we were we had twelve or thirteen guys um, practicing yesterday and and for a couple of them it was the first time they've been out there so um you guys know how it is i know you both are stellar athletes if you haven't done anything Mm, that's right sure that's right if you haven't you haven't done anything for five months um just don't go out there and put the switch so you know we got we got to get some guys back in the fold and and get them reps and, and get them in uh as close to game shape as we possibly can but that's that just doesn't happen overnight, and um, but it, it did. It did feel good to um, to be able to give uh, Eric Hunter or Manny Bates a little rest in practice.
3: I think I peaked as an athlete for Joel Cornett and Thomas Jackson at Butler basketball camp. Actually, back in the day, It was if I take two charges, can I go get fun dip at halftime from the um, from the snack bar? Uh, again, Thad Mato with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, I'm a big Notre Dame basketball fan, so I watch Notre Dame in the ACC. And when I saw Manny Bates' name pop up on your guys' radar, I'm thinking, "Oh boy, that's a good player." And that's kind of a body type that Butler. I, I'm not used to them having. What has Manny Bates meant to you guys, um, especially given just kind of the lack of health you've had in the front court?
6: Yeah, well, you know, Manny, it's, it's funny because knock on wood than I am right now, he's been he's been healthy for us this year. And, um, you know, I, I, I look at a guy like Manny, and, and you know, number one, he's, he's a college graduate. Uh, he's a very, very mature kid. And and he's one of those guys that he's he came to Butler University, and he's got something to prove. You know, things didn't go uh, maybe as well as he wanted it to at NC State with all his He's also been a great teammate, a great leader for us. And, um, you know, when I recruited him, I, I told him, I said, Manny, I, you know, nobody's followed Butler basketball closer than I have, and, and Butler hasn't had one like you. And, um, you know, just from his shot blocking and, you know, finishing around the rim and he's able to step out and knock down jump shots, uh, could not be happier with, with what Manny's given us thus far.
1: You are 8-3 and three right now, Coach Thadmata and the Butler Bulldogs. You mentioned NC State. That was one of the three losses, but – in those eleven games, in which game did you learn the most about your team?
6: Oh boy, I tell you that—that's a, a tough, tough question. Um, because I I, I learned, um, I've, I've learned something every game. To be honest with you, um, I, I think the the biggest thing, and, and we've talked with our guys about this. Um, you know, we, we've we've shown that we can. You know, I, I, i got to be careful about how I say this, uh, but we've we learned that we can throw a punch. At the beginning, we, we really couldn't take one. And um, I think that was what the beauty of going to the Bahamas. Um, you know, we, we, we learned that we weren't uh, as strong as we needed to be adversity and, and um, you know 36-34 with 13 minutes going second half against Tennessee we had three turnovers in a row um, you know just just things like that I, I think that's the, the biggest thing and as you go into league play I mean we're playing a top five team in the country tomorrow night like you, you better be able to take a punch and, and you know retaliate uh, and, and, and when I say punch I mean uh, you know things don't go well but you, you still execute defensively you're not making shots but you're still getting stops you know, things like that is, is, is what I'm I'm learning about this team. We're getting better at that. dropping
1: out again. I think coach, I could be wrong in this. Thad Mott is our guest, he's on the Pale Sugars hotline again, butler in Connecticut this weekend. Uh this is I believe your nineteenth season as a head coach. So I'm curious in your opinion, have you been nineteen different head coaches? Do you have to change the way you coach every year? <laughs> You do. I, I,
6: I think so. I, I think that's one thing that I've always done. You know, there's there's certain guys out there that, hey, it's, it's this way, and we're going to do this regardless because it's how I do it. And and, and I've really tried to alter um, throughout my approach. And, you know, even back early on at Ohio State, I mean, we were the king of one and done back then. You know, we were, we were losing guys. Every year to the NBA, and we and we were constantly adjusting. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. This is uh, the team that that we've coached thus far was not the team I thought we were going to have. Because Of all the injuries that we've had, I thought it was going to be a different team. And and uh, but I I will say this: I don't know if I've ever been happier as a coach of a group of guys that have have so bought into what we've we've ask them to do and and sort of change positions and and that sort of thing and uh, we got, we got to keep building it. There's no question about that,
3: Coach. Last one for me, and again, Thad Mata with us here. Butler and UConn tomorrow night over at Hinkle. You know, this Saturday in December, we're we're used to here locally the Crossroads Classic. That, that's kind of been the the mainstay here in this December 16th calendar range over yeah. the years. Uh, obviously, it's no longer. Purdue will be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse tomorrow. It seemed like Butler had some interest in the Crossroads Classic continuing. Butler had great success, frankly, in the Crossroads Classic. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee opportunities, and I know a lot of it is probably out of your control, down the road to play Indiana and or Purdue, whether it's home and homes or on a neutral floor? I think uh, he was in and out a few times throughout Went the year through there. So, I'd apologies like to know if, on that front. I'd
1: like to know if Quinn Buckner is going to buy him dinner if he beats Connecticut.
3: I, I was kind of looking forward to the answer to that question. I threw at him. It's <laughs> the best too. question you had. Right? <laughs> I know. I felt like that was that was one of my good ones. Try him again, Coach. We uh, we, we we lost you there, uh, Indiana Purdue. Could you foresee that on the schedule in the
0: future?
6: I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't talked to to Scott or Mike about that. Um up Arizona can play Kansas tomorrow Uh, yeah I think we'll just let and um, so it's just uh, definitely a a, a different thing but uh, I don't know we'll see what we can do with it
3: well coach good luck tomorrow night again I know I think there are a few tickets still available so for those looking for something to do tomorrow night some Hinkle magic could be happening over there on 49th Street so good luck tomorrow coach and thanks as always All right, guys thank you man should we give our picks? Colts Vikings. Yeah, let's do it. Mark Dykston, you said it's fallen to three and a half.
2: Fallen to three and a half. And the over under last I saw was like forty seven. Forty seven and a half, I believe. So uh, I don't know why the line is doing what it's doing. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to take the Vikings twenty eight to seventeen. I just I, I know the Vikings defense stinks, but I don't know how the Colts are going to keep up with Justin Jefferson and that offense, T.J. Hawkinson and whatnot. I mean, Jonathan Taylor might have himself a day against the defense. I can't see the Colts keeping pace with that Vikings offense, though. Vikings 28, Colts 17. Colts defense has been a strength for them this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that you're talking about one of the most
1: dynamic players in the NFL in Jefferson. Uh, and I, Look, Cousins, there's nothing about him that blows you away, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to give you a game on a platter. I could be proven wrong in that. But I agree in, in their ability to score points against the Colts. So I will say... Uh, what What'd you say? 28-17? 17 28, feels 17. about right. Uh, I'll give the Colts a little love then. I'll say 30-21 yeah, in Minnesota.
3: all kind of hovering in the same area. Um, you know, to Mark's point, their defense has been awful as of late, particularly the pass defense. They also have really struggled to run the football. So if Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner can control Dalvin Cook... You know, Again, Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. They've got other weapons too, but I am curious to see how that will unfold. It does appear, though, the Vikings are getting healthier. They're on a short week, but it looks like they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, and I think blocking their edge, guys, Darius Smith and Daniil Hunter, uh, would have be of concern for me if I were the Colts. So I also will go with Minnesota to cover 27-17. It seems like the Colts have scored 16 or 17 points in every game this season. I mean, that's... Pretty fair, yeah. Chase, Chase McLaughlin makes a 52-yarder. <laughs> you know, if he 17. It's indoors. Uh, everybody have a great weekend. Jake, Mark, enjoy the Christmas activities. We will talk to you on Monday.